Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for coming by and joining us on another one of our PGA DFS First Look shows. This one is for the Genesis Invitational. And man, this could almost be like a major here this week. Eight of the world's top 10 are here to compete, all of the big names. And we're going to break down all of that for you, including a little bit of a review of last week. Going to check out some DFS lineups and see how my 150 speed and Cantlay lineups did. But before we get into all that, Jeff, I'm going to bring you in and tell me about your Daniel Berger week. Were you on him before the DJ withdrawal, after the DJ withdrawal, or none of the above? Well, first of all, I mean, I didn't have a chance to talk to you before the show about your results. So I'm kind of interested to see how this like speed Cantley thing worked out. Cause I know I was thinking about you a couple of times, you know, Batia was up there too. I'm like, man, Rosalind must be having like pretty big week here. Heart palpitations. So, That's what I definitely had. I'll tell okay, you. Okay. So we're, uh, we'll get into that. It's good. It's going to be a surprise for me as well. I did not have any Daniel Berger. Um, I thought it was a, 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 a decent pivot to go down to guys like Zal Torres and, and stuff like that and go balance with, with Molinari. So um, yeah, it was pretty much just like a lost week. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, I came close cashing a couple spots, but I didn't cash. So it was a lost week. Didn't have the burger exposure. Um, did have like a day ticket that cashed a little bit for top 10 and stuff like that. So got a little bit back there. But uh, other than that, it wasn't really that exciting a tournament for me. Uh, you know, I, I obviously watched uh, the Sunday and stuff like that. Um, it was a good tournament, but um, yeah, for me, it was kind of, you know, a mad week. Yeah, I mean, it It certainly uh, it, it can turn out that way at times. Uh, I liked the backdrop. We'll get into some trends, of course. Got a three-time trend. But before we do that, thank you all for joining. Make sure you like and subscribe, of course. We're coming out with content and videos all the time. And the best way to get notified about that is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, of course, we're going to be giving away 30 awesome plus weekly passes when we hit 30K on Twitter. So make sure you go tell your friends and your family to follow us on Twitter. We've got some good stuff. It's not just retweeting of our articles. We've got some great tweets put out by our team uh, behind the glass. So they're a lot of fun. Go ahead and follow that account if you're already not. So what I wanted to talk to you about as we get into our topics here is trends. And, you know, it's uh, it's maybe a 2020 thing or 2021 thing where we put the Z on the end of stuff instead of the S. But in any case, the trend that we're going to talk about is three straight winners on the PGA Tour all missed the cut in their previous start. 
but I'd consider them all studs. So it's not like we've got Luke List missing a cut and coming back and winning the next week, right? I like Luke List. Luke, if you're watching, please don't take offense to that. But we do have three studs missing the cut, coming back and winning. What do we make of this trend? Do they just like go back and get rest? Or do you think there's something more to make of it other than that? Uh, it's, I think it's, it's, you made a good point. Like they're studs, right? Like these are good players. And, you know, especially in Berger's, you know, let's start with Berger. Berger wasn't in bad form before this. I mean, he looked good at the Sony. Uh, he just had like a, an off round at, at the the Phoenix and it probably just let him reset getting a little bit of um, a little bit of extra rest coming into a weaker field tournament. And, you know, sometimes just like that extra reset, Jason, you know, when you're pushing through something, pushing through something, I know when I'm like, like working really hard, especially on writing, sometimes if I just stop and like take like 12 hours and then come back to it, it's like so much easier when I come back. And it feels like that's probably what happened with these guys pushing hard week after week. Okay. They hit a point, they get a little extra rest and reset. And voila, when you come back, you're like a maniac, right? I think that's kind of what happened with Berger at least Brooks, you know, maybe a little bit different story. Cause he was, he was working through it as he was missing cuts, but, um, and then who'd we have the week before it was, it the- yeah, it was Reed. It was it Reed. That's Reed. right. So kind of a similar story with Reed. The dude plays a lot, you know, took a week off, reset a bit. And all of a sudden he's like super sharp when he comes back. So I think there's some these guys to be said for just, you know, the, the extra couple days just gives them a chance to, to add a little extra focus on an event that they, they would have normally not had. And they're like, wow, this extra focus is really good, this extra time. And I think it's probably just a case of that. I wouldn't I wouldn't start targeting players every time coming off a missed cup, but especially when you're getting players that are getting inflated odds because of a miscut, you should take advantage because I do think that as a community, we still, we're starting to get better at it, but we still put too much weight on a one miscut by a player. Yeah. And, and I think in the case of Reed first and then Berger, the miscut for Reed, he was actually, I think in the top 20 or top 15 at one point in that tournament. And he made a triple and it was at the desert classic. And if you make a triple at the desert classic, you're basically done for. So it yeah. wasn't really that bad of a miscut. Brooks Kepka, almost something really similar. He was playing pretty good, then made out two big numbers late in his round, ended up missing the cut. And for Berger, he shot 70-70, so both his rounds were under par at the waste management, which I think it, it had a streak of something ridiculous, like 24 straight rounds under par, which yeah. blows my mind. Um, that ended at Pebble with the, with the double on Saturday, but he's got a new streak, obviously, going on Sunday. So I think it's not all miscuts are created equal. That's kind of the theme that I've brought up in the show quite a bit and certainly something to take a look at, no doubt about it. So, um, Andrew R., thank you for the uh, super chat there. Uh, appreciate uh, the note there. P.S. All in on Jordan this week. Interesting. Love that. Or was that for last week? Uh, regardless, if it was for last week, you and I were in the same boat. If it's for this week, well, I guess we'll have to wait a little bit for that. I don't know that I'm going to go all in. Jeff, we'll talk about that here in a oh, little maybe, bit. Maybe I'll be the one going all in on Jordan Spieth. I'm excited to talk about this too. So let's see. All right. I like it. I like it. We'll get there eventually. (laughs) Before we get there, and we're going to breeze through it because we do have some shows coming up after us. Just because football ends does not mean the sports are ending. In fact, I think we've got more sports going on right now. Plus, we've got MLB coming back in about a month and a half. So, a lot to talk about. But before we do, I want to talk about course history a little bit. I know we bring this up every so often on this show, and I hate to beat a dead horse, but for Pebble Beach and the AT&T Pro-Am, again, you saw the top 15 littered with golfers that have come in the top 15 before at Pebble. So, again, is it a course thing? Is it a tournament thing? What is it about Pebble, do you think, that just continually brings the same people over and over again? Yeah, um, 
I, th I think it's just a tricky little venue. And I think players just, just the more you play, you, the more you get comfortable, you get comfortable with the scenery, the setup. It's not every week these guys go and they're playing alongside the, the Pacific ocean, you know, I mean, with, with like tiny greens and, and Poana, like it is a unique venue in that regard. And I think, I think especially with just the veteran players, I, I think some people just come there and, and it's just, you know how to play it. You either know how to play it or you don't. And the more you play it, uh, obviously the, the better you get. So I, I really feel like it's one of those, it is the mo one of the most unique venues on tour just on, on its own. And I think that it shows through with these course history results. We also get a weaker field there year after year. So the same players tend to come back and, you know, the good players are going to rise to the top over time anyways. But I do think that there's, there's a big thing that, you know, again, it's just a unique setting. And, and the more unique a, a venue is, I think the more the course history comes into play. You saw Kevin Strillman. You saw Chaz Reavy. Chaz Reavy yeah. shot 11 under in his three rounds at Pebble. And it's a shorter venue too, right, Jason? Yeah. So it's going to bring guys like that in, you know. I mean, it, it gives more players a chance like that, so. Certainly does. All right, let's go ahead uh, right into our DFS review. But actually, before we do, I'm going to just direct you guys to our free content for the day. NHL and NBA player projections are free today. So if you are looking to get down on a little bit of action. I know that uh, DK has come out with their like micro millions contest. So plenty of good price points to play at. Go ahead and check our free projections. Of course, if you're ready to join us on the Osmo Plus side, get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass, just $29.95, which includes full access to premium content tools on Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership, and so much more. Slack channel, of course, you get the chat with me, Ben, Jeff and all of our uh, analysts behind the glass. So definitely utilize that. I was answering a lot of questions last week on lineup building, how I was going to stack can't lay speed in every lineup and certainly go over that. So if you want to join us on the golf side, just eight ninety five for the full pass. So join us small plus today, stop guessing and start winning. Now onto the DFS review, which this is where we just go over some of the top performers from last week. We go over a little bit of the value and the ownership. So let's start off with that. We got Nate Lashley, who, oh man, he might be turned into a GIF after this or a meme, whatever you want to call it. But Jeff, it was it was a little bit hard to watch. But at the same time, it just goes to show you that these guys are super human in the sense of when they get into a battle like this, they can break like that. And we saw it with Lashley last night. Any comment on that? Did you see it? Was it hard for you to watch or <laughs> spirit of the competition? For me, more spirit yeah. of the competition. It's happened to me before, so. yeah. I, you know, it, it was, it's unfortunate. Uh, I was, I was cheering for Lashley. I was because I mean, I look, I didn't have any burger exposure. It's not like I was cheering against people who had burger exposure. It's just, you know, Lashley is a guy. I mean, I know he's got one win already, but I like to see guys like that come through. We, you know, it would have been a nice story for him to kind of overcome like a, a lot of the elite players, but yeah, it was, it, it was kind of tough to watch. Um, you know, he, at the same time, you can't fault him. I mean, he was, he was nails up until that, that one hole and, you know, like you said, I mean, he just couldn't quite get there to, to the end. I mean, um, came apart on one one little putt. I mean, he came so close to holding out, missed a couple short putts earlier than that. So it just kind of just came all un unwound on that one hole. But um, it's, it's a nice story. Uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, it ended like that. Like he couldn't have just finished like second because he really did deserve to finish like, you know, up there with McNeely. But other than that, I, you know, it happens. Like you said, uh, these guys, uh, it can come unwound uh, pretty quickly if um, if the pressure gets too notched up. Yeah, for me, and, and for Lashley, he was playing great, and he had one bad shot. I think it was on 16. Um, from, no, 15. He, he pulled a shot a little left into the bunker. He made a pretty good bunker 
play out of it and stay yeah. far. But he yep. seemed to come unravel at that shot specifically and didn't really need for it. I think it was the, the missed, lead. I think it was the missed putt before that that rattled him because he had like yeah. a six footer, didn't he? For, for birdie, birdie. yeah. I think I that's what really because he he would have taken the lead. Like he, so I think that's what kind of rattled him. Like I, I saw the same thing happen after that putt. I was like, this is like the wheels might be coming off here, and then they did. So yeah, absolutely. Well, you just mentioned Maverick McNeely. He was the second best value behind Lashley, and then Charlie Hoffman. Oh, man, I, I just can't stand this guy as a golfer. <laughs> as a golfer, okay, as a person, again, I don't mind him. As a golfer, though, the guy withdraws, the guy misses cuts, withdraws, and then all of a sudden, he goes 25 oh. under on Sunday and ends up in the top 10 and as part of the optimal lineup. That's just what this guy does, though, right? When he makes the cut, he gets himself in a position to score a lot of DFS points. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hoffman's a really talented golfer. I mean, he's getting up there a little bit, but I mean, dude, dude has a lot of talent. Like when he's on, he's on. He's very much like a little bit like Patrick Reed. Like you just, I don't even look at the stats when I'm considering Charlie Hoffman. Like I really don't. Um, He's more dude, like I'll just see if he's making cuts, if he's getting, if he's putting in the rounds, I'll consider him. But I'm like you, like I, with the back stuff, like I just haven't even looked at him. I've I've wanted to, because I know he's, he's kind of close, but like, how do you roster player like that? in fantasy when the withdrawal factor is obviously quite high. I don't even know. I, I'll probably just ignore him again this week. Although I do kind of feel like, like he's, he's played well at Riviera before. So I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be, but we'll see. We'll see how it's in the top 20 of an event and withdrew. I just, yeah, I just, oh, no, I don't know what to do about that. I, I gotta be honest. Pretty rough. Uh, next couple of good values on the board. Tom Hoey was there. And then you had two of my favorite golfers or mm. golfers that I like to play that most people don't with Batia and Gordon. They were part of together, part of a really good speed. Can't lay line. One that I'll talk about when I uh, do the, pro review coming up in uh, just a segment or two here so uh, a little bit of time before we get there top 10 ownership i mean honestly it, it was really good advice this week there were four top 10s and only one missed cut in the top 10 owned golfers it nailed the winner it had spieth in there it had Cantlay. so six of six was about 10 percent, jeff but really a lot of chalk played well it was a tough week to cash yeah, it was. I mean, I know some people in the chat already saying they had, uh, you know, six of six is not cash there. You know, Molinari was a big drag. It's a big drag for me. Like I already mentioned the pivot down to down to those guys. So Spieth and Day were fine values, obviously. Uh, but, um, you know, Molinari, not so much. So if you went that route, uh, it was a little bit tough. You really needed to be at least field level on like Cantlay um, or Berger, preferably Berger since he won. But um yeah, I mean, Zal- Zaltoris made the cut, and Zaltoris and, and Molinari definitely like the most, the, the biggest busts up there. Um, you know, Molinari with the top shot on Saturday. Oh, yeah, was- <laughs> Classic. <laughs> loved it. That was his first shot too, right? Yeah, it was first shot, first <laughs> tee shot. And and I loved it. He, he actually, he made he made joke oh. of it uh, on Twitter. Oh, yeah, was- for sure. So funny, he kind of looked over at his caddy, and his playing partners looked back at him. I was watching PGA Tour Live when it happened. And they all just looked at each other like, did that really just happen? <laughs> <laughs> and then it did um you ended up making bogey i'm, I'm just really glad i didn't have like a actually. huge sweat there or anything like going on the that weekend been so tilting like could you imagine like okay like i got molinar i need a big round from him let's go and then legitimately that's what that's... it starts off with like oh my god like what a disaster so luckily really i wasn't watching or involved but like oh yeah that that sucks um but yeah it was a tough week to cash sure was 
right, let's go uh, check the optimal here. And uh, I actually noticed when I was reviewing my notes uh, from earlier that I actually don't have the right picture of the optimal. I forgot my settings. My settings made me uh, choose 49,500 salary and above. And I forgot to take that off when I was looking for the optimal. So this is the optimal. Had you used my settings in Fantasy Cruncher, um, the only difference, though, uh, I'll pull that up in a second here, but we'll go over the other ones that I know were in it, at least Daniel Berger, Jordan Spieth, Maverick, McNeely, Nate Lashley. You had those four. It was very hard for you not to cash, even if you didn't have six of six uh, there that week. So uh, any notes on that while I pull up the other two guys, uh, Jeff, uh, from those four? Obviously, Spieth, Berger having so many eagles this week. I think seven between the two of them, just ridiculous amounts of points. Yeah, it was uh, Spieth, obviously, like a, the really good balance play. I mean, in a lot of ways, like like I said, I wanted to go balance last week. Um, not so much off like a Cantley fade, but more of just I thought there was, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, better. You're getting a little bit more upside with like Day Spieth in that range. And it was Hoffman and Hoagie, kind of, by the way. Sorry, it was Hoffman and Hoagie with the other two with those four. Hoffman and Hoagie. Okay, yep. so, I mean, realistically, that's what paid off. It's just, um, you know, you needed Berger and Spieth rather than, you know, like Day or Molinari in there, so... Uh, McNeely, obviously, uh, the great play. Max Holm was playing really well, 8,800. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, you look at this just from a salary construction. It, it, you know, you got three players up there and then three players in the seven to, to high 6K range. Um, it wasn't that crazy to get to or anything. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously Nate Lashley. I don't know. I don't know how you got to Nate Lashley. I guess he was playing a little bit better, so maybe I shouldn't say that. But um, not really a player that was on my radar last week. Well, uh, interestingly enough, uh, one of our MMEers that we follow was uh, nailed the top GPP lineup last week, and it was incredibly 30 points short of this lineup that I showed you, which was not in the optimal. The optimal was actually 667.50. Top lineup was 621, so 10% below it, maybe just a little bit short of 10%. Something we don't normally see. Something we normally see is is a lot closer. Uh, Optimal lineup had Jason Day. Cam Tringale, Ches Reeve with Hoffman, Lashley, and Berger. So obviously Hoffman, Lashley, Berger were very important. But interesting to see Ches Reeve. What a Sunday he had. We already mentioned 11 under. Uh, he was a big play for me this week. I just couldn't find him with them and much Berger. And I think that's a great transition, Jordan, behind the glass as I uh, kind of skip through here. And we go to our pro review to start off. And since it's a lead-in, I'll start off with mine first. I uh, chronicled all week that I would be playing 100% of Patrick Cantley and Jordan Spieth in the $5 Drive the Green contest. And one of the things that happens when you do that is you kind of alienate some of the other top players, especially when you're locking in 11,300 and 9,700 as your first two golfers. Had I even played any burger here, Jeff, I would have been 6,300 and below for an average golfer. I don't know if I could have found three guys at 6,300 and below to even make the cut. So as good as a strategy as this is, had Cantley or Spieth won, yes, I would have had a mega profit week. Going into Sunday, Spieth in the lead, Cantley second. I was in second place in the contest. Obviously, burger winning. I don't have any lineups with him in it. So still a profitable week. In that contest, I think I made uh, just over 20%, so like 150 bucks, something like that. But this is a strategy that you and I talk about. The reason why I did it here, I thought Cantley and Spieth were the two best players in the field. Pretty simple. I, I actually didn't even think there was that many people close to them except for Berger. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, again, I mean, you flipped the switch here, and it, it, it's Cantley winning instead of Berger. I mean... 
like you said, I mean, um, you just basically the, uh, you know, burgers putter got hot and Cantlay's didn't. And, and that was the difference. It sucks, but um, I, I still like it. I like it from this, this perspective of, you know, you, you were, you were that close. You just, you need basically one thing to go right. Right. Like, which is yeah. Cantlay and burger to switch positions. So putting yourself in those positions, never a bad thing. Um, I, I definitely like it kind of in these weaker field events too, because you know, when the top players dominate here, they, they, they tend to dominate and, and going over, you know, it, it's easier to pick out and say, okay, like you said, Spieth and Cadillac for me are the top plays here. There's, there's really not that many other options. Let's yep. just go super overweight. It's definitely like, was the event to do that. So, um, yeah, it's too bad. Did you have any, uh, Batia as well? Or I did. So uh, Batia was uh, the next two guys down Batia. I was in at 13% and Gordon was in at 13%, which was oh, nice. Those. So yeah, yeah you were, fine. I had, a, I had 26 of six, uh, with the speed Cantley. So again, I thought that was a pretty good, a little bit above average on the field. Found my way. Nick Taylor was a big play for me. He kind of let me down. Could not get going after Friday. Neesmith, to be honest with, with you, he had, he played great at Pebble. He shot, Again, two over like Revy did on Spyglass, and he finished the same score as Revy, nine under. So yeah. really putting that strong approach game, uh, like that leverage. Yeah. Hubbard, Hubbard, did you see Hubbard's scorecard? I don't know if you checked it out on Saturday. No, I didn't, actually. He got to mean? nine under and finished the day at three uh, three under. So, oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, made bogey, bogey, double bogey uh, in a row on that back nine. Just totally brutal. Uh, Putnam, Revy again, kind of course history plays. My big yep. misses. Stuart Sank and Michael Kim. So maybe I got a little overzealous with Michael Kim. I don't know. He only missed the cup by one, but uh, maybe it was a little too early. He was really close. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I I thought he was at 6,200, like the play down there as well. Yep. You know, he's a West Coast dude. Um, he only missed the cup by one too. So I might even consider him as a GPP punt uh, again someplace. You know, 15% for a 6,200 play. But it's like you said, you 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 were so heavy on the other guys that you needed some kind of punt down there. So that that's actually what I where I would have gone as well. Um, I mean, look, there's not much to say. Like, you, you even nailed, like, Neesmith and Reby. So yep. I'm really kicking myself for not giving Neesmith one more week. I, I, I like him and his, his approach game when it's on, it's on. So sure it's, it's really unfortunate that we're not talking about you with, like, a top five finish this week because it just it does feel like you kind of were owed that, but – that's GPP life, right? I mean, sure is. You, can, you feel like you nail like 80% of the plays. You just don't get rewarded. Some weeks you feel like you nail like 20% of them and you get like that one lineup that just goes nuts. So, and and that's a, a, a good segue for our second pro review. I'll go over Alex really quickly, but certainly, you know, keep that in mind. And of course we can always get what we want, even though we did certainly want a top five finish there, Jeff, as you mentioned, Will Zellatore. So I have been pounding the table at Alex behind the scenes here. Like Alex, look, Jordan Spieth is back. You should up these projections. I'm telling you, he looks so much better. It's Pebble Beach, but I couldn't get him to pick uh, him over Will Zellatoris this week. Now, Zellatoris made the cut, but 70% of your lineups with 9,900, not going to be very fruitful, especially when Berger, $200 more, wins the tournament and scores so many more points. So kind of just settles down for Alex there. We it, Not too much to go over. But I do want to go over our Rat 84 who has had some big scores recently and also found his way to Will Zalatoris at the top. He also had 37% of Rafa Cabrera Bello, who missed the cut. But then you have 32% of Berger, 36% of Cantlay, 20% Doug Gim, who ended up playing well, 18% of Cam Davis, who played well. So really, this is what I would consider normally what I do. About 40% mm -hmm. is my top guy. However, want to make note about the player pool, Jeff. Interesting, definitely much different than Alex and I do. Only 36 players. 
And when he only had, I think, four in his total player pool missed the cut, gives himself a lot of chances, even with 30% Rafa Cabrera-Bell. Yeah, I mean, he's got seven players over 30%, right? Yep. So um, it, it's almost like like he's still pretty concentrated, but he just he just did the spread out the concentration a little bit. So, yep. yeah, it's an interesting strategy. I, I definitely don't mind it. Um, smaller player pool, again, I mean, there's different ways to, to go about it. If you want a bit more of a higher variance approach, really go for the top. You can do, uh, you know, I, I think there's certain weeks where, you know, you can, you can take those like hundred percent lock in a couple guys like you did. And then there's, there's this approach where you just shorten the player pool and you go, yep. you know, you, you, you're going to give like over 30% to, you know, like three or four, uh, or just in this case, seven guys. So yeah, Cabrera Bale kind of screwed me as well. I really liked him as a pivot there. Me too. He went, this is, he went really heavy on him though. Cause like Rafa wasn't even that heavily owned. So, no. um, Stanley was another player, you know, he's kind of meh. So did, did he end up winning, this one, RJ Rat, the uh, the fifteen or whatever. Yes, the fifteen. Yep. The, uh, the 15. Yeah, like because he had Bale in there. Like Stanley was kind of garbage on the weekend, but he still got there. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Burger. All you was, need, right? The play. Yep. If you had it, if you had over the field in Burger, you had a shot. So it's just the way it worked out. And he did, and he was able to spread around enough, and, and you know, go to Jason Day. And I think that was the other thing that kind of led to him really being able to win here is that. Everybody above 9,700, with the exception of Will Zalatoris, was in the top 10 by the by tournament end. So if you went burger, you pretty much just had to match it up with one of those other Cantlay, Casey, yep. or Speed, and yep. you were you really were in a good shape. Obviously, the salary savings from Cantlay to Burger was what made the difference uh, there. So all right, let's uh, check out my lineup, uh, my big dollar lineup last week. <clears throat> pretty good lineup. I actually had a chance even five of six. Spieth, Streelman, Homa, Taylor, and Hubbard. Loved all those plays. Really disappointed with Malnati. You and I talk about how, like, we didn't really play him. Should we play him? I finally played him. And he missed the cut. Of course yeah. he did, because that's what happens. I cannot get this guy right. What In that range, I mean, I could have gone to a few other guys, but when are we going to get this guy right? Ever? Jeff, can you help me out this guy? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, it looked like such a good setup. Like, Pebble, he finished high here last year. You know, the, it's it's not that big an off the tee game. Approaches and putting, it's what he does. You just figure he'd, he'd, he'd keep it going for like one more week here, kind of like uh, like Streelman did or, or something like that. But yeah, man, didn't, you know, he was kind of around the cut line and then it was just, you know, didn't even make a, a real run at it. It was pretty disappointing. Sure. I had a couple guys like that, like I said, Rafa hovering around the cut line and then just bombed. So Frustrating week for me. I, you know, I, I definitely feel your pain. Good, good on you getting to home up playing the Streelman. Streelman is just like a must play here every year. It's just Almost like, it, it doesn't year. even like, like 9,800. You should probably play him. Um, and, and then Hubbard, I, I, I kind of liked Hubbard as well. So um, yeah, I, I thought that was like, uh, I know he didn't, he kind of bombed on the weekend or whatever, but you know, still, still pretty decent value. So um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about Malnati. Frustrating. Yeah. yeah let me ask you another question because psychologically I have trouble with this. And I know that, you know, uh, like when my mom and dad play their like 10 cent, 25 cent lineups, they have to fill out all salary cap, right? They have to, they can't leave salary there because right. it's like, Oh man, no, it's there. I have to use it all. Well, in my case, I was definitely had Revy over Malnati in, in my projections, yeah. but I went with Malnati over Revy because I would have had 300 salary left over. What, what do you do in that scenario? Do you have to use it up? How do you get around not using it up if you don't? Yeah, it it just depends on the week. Um, if there's a player, I, 
It is hard because like as a human, you legitimately are just like, oh, you know, you make a lineup you like, and they're like, oh, there's 500 salary left. Oh, well, yeah. I have to at least check if there's a better player. Exactly. I have to right. at least check, right? Yep. So I've I've now started, like, I still let myself check, but I also go back and say, well, this was the lineup you came up with, Jeff. So like, you know, if you like this lineup, just put it in. Like, I, I, I almost have like, I put in like another check on myself to like make sure that I really want to make this switch. So you really have to just be like self-aware, like, you know, like, like, a like, you're not like, don't be the robot. We're like, okay, I've got $500. Like, let's just like, you know, put, put the algorithm in and like, oh, this guy's more like, if you like the lineup, just, just, you know, do it's the double check, yeah. you know, <laughs> just, just put the, the, the safeguard in check. Cause it is tough, man. Like I, I always have to go back and like, and, and check if there's, um, if there's some kind of improvement I can make, but at the same time, like if I like a guy and I thought with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was undervalued and it leaves me 500 salary. It's okay to just leave it. Like it, it really is. So um, I've gotten a little bit better in that regard lately, uh, but it's still something like, you know, especially for like single and, 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 you know, three man lineups where, you know, maybe you're not using a lineup builders much or something like that. Then um, yeah, it, it can definitely get uh, in your head. It sure can. Uh, okay, a couple of more things. Actually, before we go on to the Genesis Invitational, I uh, want to direct you to a really good giveaway we got going on tonight. Go to our Osmo Twitter uh, handle, Osmo underscore com, of course. Check out our President's Day. I forget it was President's Day. I woke up. I went to my CNBC app, as I normally do every day, check the stock market. And it's like, hey, nothing's trading. Like, why is nothing trading? What's going on? Oh, it's President's Day. Got it. Okay. So now to tell you about our President's Day giveaway. Go on and check it out. We're giving away a free year of Osmo Plus NBA. That's a $400 value. Just follow the instructions on the graphic and predict whether Kawhi Leonard or Jimmy Butler will score more points tonight. And that's just points, not DFS points, of course. I got my eye on Jimmy Butler myself on that one. And one random winner will be selected among the correct guesses. Make sure to also check our giveaways on our Osmo underscore Instagram handle and, of course, our Osmo Facebook page for more chances to win Osmo Plus passes. All right, let's... Go on to the Genesis Invitational. Really good one we have in store for us this week. The first full field event that I would consider a really strong field here. Farmers, yeah, was a good field. Don't get me wrong. But Invitational always brings out the best of the best. There's the most FedEx Cup points available, the most money available, the bit in the most eyes. So eight of the world's top 10 here to compete at Riviera, a great golf course. Par 71, 7,300 yards in the heart of L.A., 55% driving accuracy, 61% greens in regulation. And in fact, that's very similar to the waste management a couple of weeks ago, Jeff. So uh, interesting parallel there. But the difference is, is that the greens here, they're a little bit easier than what we see at the waste management. However, I would say that given uh, the scoring holes, maybe waste management has a little bit easier or more scoring holes, I should say. Really yeah. only three scoring holes at Riviera. One, 10, and 11. One is an easy par five, 10, the drivable four, and 11, the reachable five. So what do you make of Riviera? Probably the toughest test off the tee these guys will face all year or one of them. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you know, tough from the fact that there's some do- some short dog legs and stuff like that, force players to shape shots. Um, it's a great course. Like it, it really is. It's a fun course from a perspective of like, you know, you're, you're basically getting like a major championship setting. Um, you know, Kakuya rough, Paul greens. So it can be a little bit tricky. Like players will still struggle here sometimes. Um, I think the waste management is, is a good comparison in some respects. Like you said, there's definitely more action holes at the waste management, but the fairways are a little bit tighter there. There's a couple difficult driving holes uh, in some ways. I know the courses aren't really similar at all, but just from, from a setup perspective, of what you're getting uh, some longer par fours and stuff like that. Uh, it's basically like a lower version scoring of that. So um, I, I really like it. Like it, you, it, it is, imp- it is important. You know, like I, I do feel sometimes we overemphasize driving distance a little bit too much here. I think it's more of a, a, a case you should be emphasizing strokes gain T to green because it's, it's just like an all encompassing course. Like you can't really be terrible in any one aspect. Yeah. Off the T is important, but you know, like JB Holmes won here by, by being basically being like neutral in that aspect. Um, you know, Scott was, was good in that aspect, but he wasn't like killer or anything like that. You got to be good off the tee for sure. But, um, you know, I, I think it's more of just players who are playing well on the West coast, trending well in, in all aspects, they tend to come here and, and, and just kind of, you know, have an edge over, over those players who maybe started off a little slow, maybe haven't been playing on the West coast. So I like Riviera. It's just, it's a really good end to the West coast swing. It almost feels like kind of, you know, like not, it, it feels like the first major, I know it's not, but it, it kind of feels like that because of the elite field and like, it's the end of the West coast. So. Yeah. It's always an interesting time uh, for me, obviously they come to Florida uh, starting next week. So uh, really on, this is also the last week of nice lock times, 11 o'clock Eastern standard time. Right. I've been getting up and waking up and doing my lineups Thursday morning. That's going to end this week. This will be the last week for that as lock times will go to 7, 10 in the morning once we switch over to Florida next week. That's for the full field events. I think the first event we get in Florida is the WGC concession, I think they're calling it, or whatever the heck they're calling it. Uh, so we won't actually, we'll get a normal lock time from there. But after that, Arnold Palmer, the players, uh, those tournaments alike will all be 7, 10 lock times. So get prepared for that. But before we get to the 7, 10 lock times, We've got plenty of good golfers here to talk about. So let's go ahead and talk about our first clicks here. And of course, if you're looking for a little bit more content in this, I put out my first clicks video each and every Monday. It's like mid-morning afternoon, whenever we get salaries and odds released. It's more odds based. So in your first clicks this week, I saw Dustin Johnson print at five and a half to one. And now I think that Justin Dustin Johnson, the best player in the world right now, that's that's undeniable. But is he really double, triple that of the likes of Rom, Thomas, Shoffley, and McElroy? I just, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Um, someone made a good point on Twitter too. Like he was basically this price for the Saudi, which had a way weaker field. So yeah. now Price we're saying was the only one in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, now we're saying like he should be the same price basically for like a, a field with like triple the the field strength, like. I don't think so. Um, this is a great setup for Dustin long-term, but, um, yes, yep. you know, it's just, it's too stacked. Like we got like every top 10 golfer here outside of Webb and, and Hatton who, you know, probably don't Wouldn't set up that well. Anyway. Yeah, yep. exactly. Set up that well here anyways. So, um, yeah, it, it's just too, it's just too low. There, there's, I'm not considering that at all. I mean, um, I, I won't be shocked if Dustin wins, but like, you know, you, you can take the plus plus five fifty or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll spread my money around. 
Yeah, and that begs the, the first question. Of Rom, McElroy, Thomas, Shoffley, DeChambeau, sure, throw Gantley in there. Why not? I mean, all those guys are 12 or one to better. Yeah. Who's the first name you clicked of those guys? So, For me, it's Rory because, I don't know, it just seems like that's the easiest pick. I went Shoffley. Um, and I, I've kind of been team like you should be betting Rory when when Shoffley and him are the same price. But we did get a bit of a bump here on Shoffley. Like, I've seen him at, like, plus 1,600 this morning. And, you know, he was plus 1,100 at the Phoenix. And you know, he didn't do anything wrong there. I mean, I guess he did. He didn't win. He didn't close it out. But yeah. you get my point. He's yep. in contention again. I mean, it's not like this dude was finishing, like, T50 or something. Um, you know, um, and, and now Rory's shorter than him. I know Rory's got a bit better course history here. But, like, objectively, like, Shoffley is playing better than Rory right now. Um, he's he's a sharper player. I think I think it was just a, a bit of a mental block on that Sunday, and, and I'm okay coming back here I, at him if we're going to get better odds. You know, he's got a pretty good course history. His off the tee game was strong at Phoenix, um, so I, I hit Shoffley up this morning. Uh, th- that's where I'm going to go. I like the fact he's been playing on the West Coast, played Phoenix. Uh, we do have a bit of a betting trend too. Um, nine of the last ten winners here have played Phoenix or Pebble Beach, so. You know, you get again. I talked about that West Coast form; it's important here. So I like the fact Shoffley's uh, been doing well. You know, he's got that that uh, bit of a, an edge over a guy like Bryson too, who I think is interesting here. Um, I could definitely see people making a case for Cantley here. I just took Shoffley because I feel like Queen's got to be coming. The bump up in odds over Phoenix was too big for me. And realistically, Jason, I, I'm I'm waiting for Cantley to win either the Players or the Masters because maybe we can have that discussion at the end, but. He is my mate. He is my focus for the big tournaments right now. I think Patrick Cantlay is winning something big in the next couple months. So, yeah, I, again, I got him labeled for the PGA Championship. Maybe that's too far away. That's three months. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, look, if he doesn't win the Masters or the, the the players, I'll I'll definitely triple down at the PGA. So yeah. we can throw that in there too. The thing about Shoffley is, I think that this golf course more than any that we've played recently, and maybe that's why he's only come twenty three, fifteen, and nine here is that I think it really has an off-the-tee factor. And of those, Rom McIlroy, Thomas DeChambeau, I'm not even factoring in DJ, but you could throw DJ in there as well. I think his off-the-tee game is the worst out of them all. I think that Justin Thomas has the most variable to it, meaning downside to it. But I think that overall, I think Shoffley's off-the-tee game is worse than the rest of those guys, which makes me go to somebody like Rory in this instance if – and this is a big if, if off the tee is as important as I'm thinking it's going to be this week. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is important. Like I know I was, I said, you don't want to put too much emphasis on it, but like if you, you know, you, you can avoid so much trouble here just by being super consistent off the tee um, and, and getting yourself down there. But it, it has been overcome, you know, Holmes overcame a bad week off the tee to win. Um, like I said, Scott wasn't overly crazy or and good off the tee last year. He was solid, but he wasn't like the best. And, uh, you know, like James Hahn won. He was like 40th in driving distance that year or something. So yep. it can be done. Um, I think Shoffley just playing so sharp in the rest of his game. And, and look, we did see him take an up, uptick off the tee at, at Phoenix. So I, it was more of just the, uh, the odds going up there that really caught my eye. Um, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take one shot on, on Shoffley here. Now that we finally got a little bit of inflated odds on him. I'm not sure if we're going to get any better than that unless he misses like three cuts in a row. So I'm, uh, I'm okay giving Xander one more shot here. Um, or one shot here because I really haven't bet him at all in the last six months. But um, uh, yeah, that's, you mentioned that's yeah, you just mentioned uh, you just mentioned James Hahn, 150 to one, the same price as Ricky Fowler. Just uh, that unbelievable wow. that yeah, 
crazy. Uh-huh. Now, the next two guys I want to talk about, though, I've, I've written this down. Anytime they're above 30 to 1 to win, it's basically an auto-click. Okay. Regardless of the course, regardless of where they're playing, can you guess who they are? Morikawa and Hovland? Yeah. I, maybe yeah. maybe I shouldn't say Hovland, but I think he's shown us in the last yeah. couple of months. Deserved he definitely yeah. has that winning upside. But Morikawa, the last time we saw him at 33-1 to 1 odds or something like it was, PGA Championship in San Francisco where he won, just seems like an auto, but it seems like great value. Like looks like he comes to play in these events where the best players are. So I loved adding him into my card as the second guy behind, say, a Rory or a Rom, whoever you want to bet up there. I feel like you're getting great value out of those two golfers. I mean, you've got a ton of win and win equity based off of the last year, just with those two guys. Yeah. I look, they, they weren't, I'm probably not going to bet either of those guys this week, but I fully recognize like just playing that strategy. It's, it's, probably sharper than what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to play more of the course history and trends this week and and go up to guys a little bit bigger in odds. But I do recognize, like I did consider that I'm like probably just click like more a cow or at least one of these guys. I'm I'm going to play the trends. Like I said, Um, I'm going to take speed here. Uh, I get, I get the off the tee game. I I get it. Like I really do. His odds are bigger than last week though. He's he's plus 3,500. Riviera has rewarded people who've played like pebble and, and, and waste management though. Like it, it just, it's just a trend. And I think, I think Spieth is, he's there. Like I really do. His off the tee game looked confident last week. I don't think he has to go crazy to do well here. He likes the venue. He's finished top 10 here three times. Uh, you know, just about made a playoff in 2015 top 10, a couple of years ago. I'm going to give him one chance here. Um, I didn't bet him last week. I didn't play him at all. I think that the odds bumped up a little bit. I think people are going to avoid him because of the, the off the tee thing, but I don't know, man. I, I mean, we've seen shorter hitters can get it done here. Uh, and I, we haven't really seen Spies Potter go crazy. So I'm going to take a shot with him in the odds um, because I do feel like a win. I feel like after last week, I'm convinced some good's coming for him soon. So it might not be here, but um, again, we're getting a little bit bumping odds. I'm going to take a shot on speed. Yeah, given his form and given what I expect the field to be, if he doesn't win Colonial this year, he may never win again. But um, maybe oh, hell yeah, I, I hope it will come before that. I, I hope it will come yeah. in a couple of months at Augusta. Of course, I always love seeing Spieth's name at the top at Augusta. Um, it's Nothing gets DFS Twitter riled up than that, that's for sure. So I love being on the other side of that. However, this week, Spieth, I think that there was a lot of mental strength put into these last two weeks, especially taking the lead into each one. If, if he's going to be a top 10 golfer in the world again, let's, let, let's say that besides the best golfer in the world, let's say top 10, he's going to need to be able to put together these three or four week stretches where he does get in the top 10 or 15 every single week. So if he truly is going to trend towards back to some of the best player in the world form, Ryder Cup guy, Ryder Cup kind of anchor, if you will, plays every, you know, every match, then he will come in the top 15 here this week. Do I think it's a great setup for him? Well, I mean, if if his worst thing is off the tee and he's only hitting 50% of his fairways, which last week at Pebble, he hit more than that. Listen, the field is only going to hit 55% of their fairways this week. So, yeah, I like, of course, would I rather him be at the waste management price of 7,600 this week? Oh, man, I'd be, I'd be eating that up 150 to 1 like we saw at waste management. I mean, obviously, everybody would be betting him at that point. I do think maybe at 40 to 1, I don't know if he's ready to go out and beat all the best players in the world again. 
Not know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Does that mean I'll have exposure on DFS? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, betting odds, 40 to 1. I'm a little bit nervous there. I can't believe he's already in front of guys like Hideki Matsuyama, Joaquin Neiman, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, nobody wanted to pick speed over these guys two weeks ago, and all of a sudden it's flipped. I'm fine with it. Uh, it's just I hope it leads to lower ownership, I guess, on the DFS side. Yeah, and I look, I do understand the arguments, but and, and those, of those guys you mentioned, though, Again, we haven't even seen Spieth putt well. Like, you know, he's, he's, it's been so long since he got into his Sunday final group. And I agree, there is a little risk of burnout. I think this week is either going to be he gets over the hump or we see a little bit of burnout and, you know, he, he kind of dips back down. And then, you know, I, again, I, I think he'll, he'll get it together this year at some point. But I, I think we could see, you know, I, we could see the, the blow off the top morning, um, blow off the top week, I should say. Yeah. And, Again, now that he's bumped back up to 40 to one, I'm, I'm inclined to give him one more chance here. I really am. So I definitely understand the argument against him. I was very tempted to take Scheffler in this range too. I still might. Again, we're talking about first clicks here. Hideki also going to be on the radar. I, I think I'm going to probably get a piece of him um, just because of the course history. Uh, but um, I had to get a piece of speed, a piece of speed just, to, just to see. I, I got to get some exposure. I, I couldn't. I felt so dumb playing Molinari over him last week that uh, I just didn't want to go through that once more. So I had to click him early. Now, a guy that you, I'm going to assume auto clicked at 80 to one, regardless of the form. Now we did see a bounce back at, uh, at the waste management, but it's Matthew Wolf. You and I talk about this guy's ability to score now at 80 to one. I think I would rather bet him at 81 than play him at 8,100 on DraftKings. Yeah, man. Um, it, it is interesting. Like it, we're getting up there to a little bit absurd prices. Um, I'll, I'll definitely be taking a piece. I haven't, I haven't touched it yet, but you know, I'll, I'll just for an each way, you know, purpose, you know, I'll, I'll get a piece of it. I mean, if Matthew Wolf even just has one good round, he's probably going to get in the top 10 because that's how hot he can get with his irons. Right. And stuff like that. So, you know, I, I'm not convinced that, you know, Riviera is necessarily the place he's going to put it together because it's such a tough venue. And again, if you haven't done a little bit on the West coast, it's typically not one of those spots where it's just like, Oh yeah, he comes out of nowhere, but it's Matthew Wolf at 70 to one or 80 to one, whatever you're getting him at. It's a ridiculous price. You know, you just, just take a little piece and, and just get some peace of mind kind of thing. Right. Um, because, you know, we're talking about like one of the best players in the world. He just started off a little slow, slow injury issue, whatever, you know, again, it's just a peace of mind thing. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One bad tournament where he still made the cut. Granted, he didn't play good, but Zalatoris goes from basically top three odds to mm. win to yeah. 90 to one. I know. That was the other one I really looked at this morning, too. I mean, if you believe in this guy's long-term talent and you, and you bet him last week, you have to bet him again this week. Yeah. Yeah, Zalatoris. And, uh, and, and I'll say this. I know maybe the chat is a little bit down on Molinari here, but like Molinari was like plus 2,800 last week, too. He still made the cut. Like Zell Torres and Molinari made the cut last week. Yeah. It's not like, you know, they, yeah, they were out of it, but it's a little bit cool weekend. You know, if you're a pro and, it, and it's a little bit bad weather and you're like 10 shots back going into the weekend, yeah, you're not going to play your best golf because mentally you're done. So I, I, don't, I don't fault both of those guys. I hit up Molinari this morning. Um, all the all the arguments that I give for Spieth, very similar to Molinari. Yeah. I know he doesn't have the good course history, but when you're factoring in course history here too, like, Take into account, Molinari never has never started his season this early on the PGA. No now he lives on the West Coast. He's never come into Riviera playing Amex, Farmers, 
pebble never before so this is new this is i think it's a good spot i i considered zalatoris too i took molinari uh, I may end up adding Zalatoris to these prices, but for the each way, yeah, I, I added Molinari for exactly the same reason you're giving, you brought up Zalatoris. Playing great tee to green, big deal. He had one off week. He wasn't even in contention in the weekend. Of course, he wasn't going to play good golf. So those guys in the odds definitely stuck out to me. Two more guys that I'm going to just uh, throw quickly out there that I've clicked on for my uh, more bomb plays, if you will. Uh very similar stature, guys, actually, as weird as that sounds. Kind of similar golfers as well. It's Doug Gim and Chez Reavy. Yeah. They played together on Sunday. They both shot five under. Both coming in here, good form. Chez Reavy has two top tens in the last five years. So when he's in form, good course. Both of them, I think Gim's going off at 200 and Reavy at 250. So I love those each way bets. Now, switching over to DFS at 7,000 and 6,900, both great values. But let's go to the top of the board. When I saw DJ printed at 11,300 and five and a half to one, I actually thought it was a little soft pricing. I haven't said that all year, Jeff, but given the fact that we have 29 of the top 50, eight of the top 10, I guess I shouldn't be, I'm never upset about pricing. I could care less, but I guess I shouldn't be so hasty to say that it's soft. It's not really that soft. You can't make that good of a lineup stacking three of these guys, which is kind of always my barometer. If I can click Spieth, Cantlay, Burger last week and get in Gordon and Batia, I would have been fine. That would have been soft. It wasn't. Again, I'm I'm similar feeling this week. It's not terribly soft, but DJ eleven three seems a little soft. Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely softer. It's it's close to being like you know too soft, but um, you know because you can click you know Dustin. You can get any two you want. Dustin Cantlay, yeah. and and you can even add like you know Hideki in there, and you still got like a sixty six average. Yep. Now it's not as deep a field that, you know, guys under 6,700 are like, you know, super easy to slide in there. You're going to have to make some decisions, but it's doable. So I agree. It's still pretty good pricing. It's kind of what I expected. It's more of an elite field. So uh, I would have liked to see Dustin probably at like 11.5, maybe even 11.7, but whatever. Like you said, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll deal with it. it. It's really not that bad. I think it's, it's pretty good. It's always fun to have a little bit different pricing too sometimes. So um I think the thing that stuck out to me the most, maybe, um, you know, we're still getting like, you know, Cantley, Cantley not really getting much, uh, much respect. Berger not getting much respect off a win. Um, you know, you got like uh, Bryson and, and Rom down there pretty cheap too. So maybe it's not even that Dustin is like too, too cheap for the field. It's just that because he's not a 10, 11, five, like some of these other guys are coming in too cheap. So I'm not even sure if Dustin's ownership We'll get crazy. It's more of the other players that are now going to be affected. So you could see heavy chalk on a guy like, you know, Calais this week. I think the worst price of the week. Um, and and granted, I know how strong of a field it is. I hate to keep beating that dead horse, but Victor Hovland at 8,700. Right. I mean, the guy has done yeah, nothing yeah. but play super well. So T6, T2, T31, and T1. I mean, that's pretty, pretty incredible. And even at the T31 at the Century Tournament of Champions, he shot 76 on Sunday. So you can basically just throw out the fact that he came T31. It was better than that. Yeah. I mean, it's Hideki finished like, you know, 55th in a field of 42 people that week. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, you know. So with that being said, let's say his ownership is going to get to 25%. Does that make you want to fade him? I mean, this guy is playing great golf yeah. at a great price. What do we do in that scenario? I, I think with the elite field, you, you do feed, fade him, quite frankly. And I, I, he is a great value. You know, one of the first things I do for DraftKings on, on Monday mornings is just kind of compare the field to the odds. And, and you know, Hovland had like one of the biggest discrepancies between his outright odds 
via the player he's 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 priced around grouped yep. with right so yep. he stuck out as a big value um but this is an elite field like you can get Scheffler at, at 8500 Sal at 8300 like these are quality players these aren't like we're not taking a step down really I know Halvin's good but like you know Neiman you know these are these are really quality players so for me it is more of a pivot spot off these guys like I said it might even be a pivot spot off of Cantlay if he gets up there as much as I really like the way Cantlay's playing right now oh my god like I said I I, just to get on I I smashed Cantlay I found a book that was offering him a 33 to 1 for the Masters and I just I smashed it so um I'm gonna I'm gonna double down at the players but I I really feel like the way Patrick Cantlay is playing right now is some biggest coming. I almost hope he takes a step back here this week and just puts in like a T20 so he can, he can cool off a little bit and he goes a little bit under the radar coming into the players. But um, again, I think these guys up top, if they're going to get a little chalky because we have so many good players in play a little bit more of a fade spot for sure. Yeah. Cantley typically goes uh, lower owned when he creeps up in these fields into the 10,000 range. He does. So People don't really like want to play him. Corey Cow is going to get that treatment this week for sure. Just the like the, the nobody chalky. wants to play him at ninety five hundred. Yeah, I, I got that oh, feeling. Yeah. Okay, yeah, especially with well, especially with Hovland at eighty seven because I think right. a lot of people f- put Hovland and Morikawa together and they'll just play the cheaper one of the two. So for sure. So we got three minutes left. So we're gonna just go quickly down the pricing list in the seven thousand uh, to eight thousand range. You got guys like Gary Woodland. We got Sergio Garcia who has just been lights out off the tee this year. Maybe the best in the world right now off the tee. Yeah. Roy McIlroy certainly would give him a run for his money, but man, he looks incredibly consistent. The starts are there. So he's one of the first guys I clicked. I think Matt Fitzpatrick will be popular, but I'll just gladly keep fading him. I know 7,600 is a good range for him. Maybe he priced in, but I hope he goes popular. I don't think it's a great spot for him. And you get golfers like Cam Davis coming in here really hot and looks like he's really found himself on the PGA tour. So Cam Davis, 7,700, I'm sorry, 7,500 and, uh, Call uh, Sergio Garcia, seventy seven hundred are my two guys here in this range. Yeah, only thing I'm a little bit worried about Sergio is coming in overseas. But like you know, I'm not going to not play him because of, because of that. He's got, like you said, I, I think he's undervalued there at seventy seven hundred. He's a great play. I don't. I, I will take a shot with Molinari over Fitzpatrick this week too. Um, Molinari definitely, you know, like GPP boomer bust. Uh, I, I know the course history is bad, but. It's just a different circumstance. I'll give him one more week and see if, uh, if if he's really is back. Love Cam Davis this week too. I could see Cam Davis as like possible dark horse winner. Um, I might even bet him at around a, a plus 1,000 or plus 10,000 or whatever. So uh, I'm kind of with you in, in this range. You know, um, you know, I'll I'll probably play my guy Henley a little bit. The setup isn't that great for him. But, uh, you know, I, I would put Sergio probably at the top of my list here too. Uh, Molinari be my pivot because I don't think he'll be high owned at all like Davis down there. Uh, Sam Burns, I think is a solid play down there. If we're going lower and um, I got some GPP plays, but like no one else, like super on top of my mind uh, after that. Yeah. Below 7,000. Those would be our GPP plays. Unless you're got a couple of above one, obviously named Doug Gim. I just mentioned Uh, Matthew Neesmith is there as well. And then listen, I'm going to, I'm going to click it every time. 6,900 camera champ. I'm not going to have a ton, but I will have some. Uh, who are your flyers early on here this week? Yeah, no, Cameron Champ, I know. it's Auto you got to bring him up. I mean, he's this cheap. You really do. He's just, if, if he scores for you and he makes the cut and makes the weekend, it's just. That's all. It's just making the cut at this price. Yeah, It's such a good DFS value because he's probably going to throw an eagle or two in there. So, yep. um, Gim, though, for me, would be the play this week. A little bit like for a cash game play, probably. 
definitely don't mind staying on him. I'm going to throw out a GPP play. Brandon Grace. Yeah. Uh, looked strong on the greens. Game. Yeah, looked strong on the greens last week. Um, has played well on the West Coast before. Uh, made a couple cuts here at Riviera. He's getting. He's playing a little bit better. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't mind him as a GPP pivot down here. Um, and there's, you know, other than Gim and Champ, you know, there's, there's again, not too many players sticking out a ton for me. You know, I got Doc Redmond down there still, um, still, uh, still gaining a lot of strokes, uh, you know, on his approaches and stuff like that. So maybe you could take a shot with him. But uh, other than that, you know, Grace is the guy I think I, I might, uh, I might take a shot with down there this week. Got it. I like the call. Well, listen, we go to Florida after this week. I'm excited about that. Maybe I'll get out to one of these events. I don't know if the PGA Tour will let me in, but I'm certainly going to try. But stay tuned for the NHL strategy show coming up after this. We've got Jake Harry and Terry McBride on the mics. So stay tuned for that. And thank you guys all for joining. Make sure you give us a like on the way out. And we will be back next week the PGA DFS First Look Show. I believe, like I said, it's the WGC concession. So till then, everybody, we'll see you then.